Welcome, everybody, once again to the Buncombe Street United Methodist Church podcast. My name is Chris Ashley. I am the Director of Congregational Engagement here at our church and the host of this podcast each and every week. I'm excited that you are tuning in here to our first letter as we walk through the seven letters to the seven churches in the book of Revelation. We did have an intro podcast last week that kind of sets up this series, how we're going to approach these letters, what we're going to try to glean from these letters. So if you didn't get a chance to listen to that last week, I would uh, encourage you to do so before you listen to this, just just so you'll have a little bit of reference to, we, we go through the entire first chapter of Revelation. The letters are found in the second and third chapters, but I wanted to give the context and the background to what we were going to be doing. So we talk about uh, the book of Revelation as a whole, why it's important, how we approach it um, without getting in the weeds too much. And we talked a little bit about the structure of these letters, which we'll go over again uh, here today as we dive into this first letter. Uh, But again, I would encourage you to check that out if you didn't have a chance to listen last week. So Revelation chapter 2 Verses 1 through 7, we start with the very first letter, and it is a letter to a church that, uh, of all seven of these, probably the one we're most familiar with because we have another book in Scripture written to this church, and that is the church in Ephesus, right? Paul's epistle, uh, Ephesians, is also written to this church. And so we have some familiarity here, and so let's read Revelation chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. It says this, To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, The words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and found them to be false. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary. But I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Yet this you have, you hate the work of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. So that is Revelation chapter 2, verses 1 through 7, the letter to the church in Ephesus. So as we talked about last week, we are going to look at the things in these letters, and most letters have all of these things. Some of them don't have every single component here, but we're going to look at what are they doing right? What are they doing wrong? What instruction is given to them? What is promised to them? And then what can we learn both as individuals and as members of this community of believers? What can we learn about ourselves and what can we learn about our church from from these individual letters? So the letter to the Ephesians, first off, what are they doing right? So we we see this right out of the gate. I know your works. I know your works. Uh, Their toil, their patient endurance. So they are applauded for their patience. 
They're applauded for their opposition to evil. They cannot bear with those who are evil. And they are applauded for their discernment with false teachers, with false apostles, with imposters. And they find them to be false and they test them. So they are spiritually discerning. They are they are people who want to uphold truth to a level that they don't want to let anything snake into their community. Why is this important? Well, let's back up and talk a little bit about Ephesus as a city. Ephesus is a, a hub, if you will. Um, they are a cultural hub. They are an economic hub. And they are a geographical hub in a lot of ways. Ephesus is, uh, it's kind of got a hand in both directions, one uh, into the the Eastern Asia and one into the Greek cult- culture. In fact, Ephesus is the location of one of the seven original wonders of the world, the uh, Temple of Artemis, which is a Greek temple. But you can see that this is a place that's really happening. I mean, it is a place that is... It's a it's a pinnacle of society, and in a lot of ways, I think that relates to us uh, here as a body of believers in the United States. You know, we're in a place where there's just a lot going on, right? There's there's a lot of uh, affluence, there's a lot of diversity of of thought, a diversity of of belief. There's a lot of cultural influences that come into all aspects of the church world. And so sometimes it can be hard to keep out the things that go against what we believe and go against what we want to teach um, and let societal norms influence our biblical truths. And that happens. I mean, it happens a lot. And sometimes it's hard hard to do because, look, we're all, we are all humans, even those of us uh, in a position of, of vocational ministry. Like, it's hard for us to not let stuff sift into what we're we're leading and the ways we're leading the way ways we're teaching. So Ephesus is this this cultural hub and but they are doing a really good job of, you know, I, I love the word toil. Like they're just working hard. They are working hard and being super patient to commit to the work of the kingdom. So what are they doing wrong? Well, verse 4 says, "I have this against you." And we talked about this last week. That's kind of the trigger of like Here's the things you're going to have to work on. But I have this against you. You have abandoned the love you had at first. They've forgotten why they are doing what they are doing. Right? They've gotten so busy, so focused on the work of ministry, on the work of the church, on the tasks, that they forgot why they're even doing it. And as someone who works, who's made a career of vocational ministry, like I, I can just say, like, yeah, that's absolutely a thing. You can get so, you can miss the forest for the trees, right? That's as the old saying goes, you can get so focused on the tasks, on the things you have to accomplish to, to run the church, to plan programs, to, to push us in the right direction forward that sometimes you kind of, you kind of put Jesus on the back burner and you're just, you become essentially a a program planner and not really a pastor. And so and that's not just true of those of us in vocational ministry. It's true of even even the laity, right? Like we can be on committees and be 
wanting to do things and move the church forward and execute plans that sometimes we can forget um, to stop and listen and be in prayer and be mindful of the Spirit. Um, and so I think that's what's happening here in Ephesus. And so that's what they're they're charged with. Like you've you've forgotten your first love. So what is the what is the instruction then given to them? Remember therefore, this is verse five. Remember therefore from where you have fallen. So I actually really like. I normally read out of the uh, English Standard Version on the podcast. This is kind of my my go to uh, translation. But the the New International Version. I remember learning this verse uh, as a teenager, and it said, "Remember the height." from which you have fallen. And I always like loved that verse because I think, I don't know if you've ever fallen from anything. I don't know if anybody was ever a tree climber or a, or a, a rock climber or anything like that. But if you've ever fallen, even if you just tripped and fallen and like, you know, my little girls, I see them fall off. Like uh, my three-year-old fell out of the bed the other day and like, she hasn't stopped talking about it. Right. Because when you fall and you hit the ground and it hurts, you're going to remember that. You're not going to forget that for a while, right? And the higher up from which you fall, probably the longer you're going to remember that. The more impact it's going to have, the bigger the injury you're going to occur, incur. And so, you know, I think what's being said here, Ephesus, when they got going, were kind of at the height, the peak of their ministry, and they've fallen because they've taken their eyes off the prize, much like Peter walking on water. He takes his eyes off Jesus. He starts sinking. That's what's happening here in Ephesus. And he's saying, remember from where you have fallen. Repent and do the works you did at first. Go back to where you started, right? Renew your vows, if you will, with Jesus. So the instruction is, remember from where you've fallen, repent, and go back to where you started. And if not, he says, I'm going to remove your lampstand from its place. You remember we talked last week about the seven lampstands and Jesus walking in and in and amongst them. And I made the point that even if I'm even if I am not focused on him, even if I'm not thinking about him, even if I feel like I'm on my own, he's always there. He's always in the midst of us. He's always pulling us back towards him. But he's saying, listen, if we're, we're either, we're either going to renew our vows or we're going to break up, right? This is, this is our goal. We are, I, I will, if, if we can't come to an accord here, if we can't, if you can't get back to focus on me, I'm going to take your lampstand stand away. I'm going to remove it from where it was. So what's promised to them? He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches, to the one who conquers. It's that Nike word we talked about last week. To the one who conquers, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Now that should sound a little bit familiar, that tree of life analogy, that picture. If you'll remember, rewind, we're here in Revelation. Let's rewind all the way back to the book of Genesis, the Garden of Eden, and the tree of life, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And that is what becomes the thing that separates us from that relationship with God. Initially, right? Adam and Eve, that that tree, eating of that tree what they're told not to do, and it winds up being the thing that separates us from that relationship we were created to have with him in Eden. But now what he's saying here in Revelation is, I'm looking to restore that relationship. And to the one who overcomes, I'm going to grant 
Instead of prohibit, I'm going to grant them to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. I'm going to get grant for them to eat of the tree and be in relationship with me as Adam and Eve were in the Garden of Eden, as they walked with God. I'm going to bring the people back to me. Man, let me just tell you, sign me up for that. I think I told you last week, these promises they're so easy to just read and gloss over, right? It's just easy to read and like, to the one who conquers, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Next verse. But when you start thinking about what's actually on offer there, sign me up. I'm in. I want in on this. So what can we learn from the church in Ephesus? Well, I think as we've talked, you know, this they're they're focused on the pursuit of truth, right? They want to they're testing the uh, the false apostles. They are uh, not bearing with evil. They're being they're toiling. They're being patient, but they've forgotten their first love. And and here's what here's the nugget I'm gleaning from this: pursuit of truth cannot overtake our love of God. We cannot be so focused on doctrinal truth. We cannot be so focused on instilling that, that we forget the love piece. We forget the piece about God loving us and that we are in relationship with him. Right. It, it Again, and I keep going back to this analogy of a marriage, but I can't be so focused on like, all the things that I know make a marriage work, right? Well, we need to, I need to do the dishes and do the laundry and help take care of the kids and provide financially. And, you know, if I can just, if I can get a checkbox of here's the things that a great husband does, and I can just do all of those things, but I'm not loving my wife that's not a marriage, right? Like I can do things. I can make her life easier. I can, you know, I can, I can check a lot of boxes, but at that point I'm just, I'm just a, um, a maid or I'm just a, you know, like there's, or a, a private chef or a, or a chauffeur, like the love piece is what makes the marriage. It's the same way with God. Like we cannot abandon the love first piece in the pursuit of of the truth and in the pursuit of knowledge. And at the same time, we need to teach God's truth. We need to teach it in love. Right? We don't need to use the truth of Scripture or the truth of God as a weapon, but rather as a loving tool to help guide folks in the way of Jesus. And so that's a lot to chew on, and that's stuff that like I need to chew on personally in my own life, stuff that I think about in the context of church and ministry and, and how am I leading in the areas that I've been given to, to steward and shepherd? Um, how am I instilling these, these lessons into what I do day in and day out, both personally and professionally? So that is letter number one, the letter to the church in Ephesus. Hey, thank you so much for tuning in to this episode. I can't wait to be back with you again next week as we look to the church in Smyrna. But until then, grace and peace to you all.